0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Start a Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation. I'm hoping helps your business grow. You know, big businesses and innovation often occur in unlikely places, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Now, for those of you that listen to the show regularly, you know that myself and StartUp Hustle are located in my hometown of Kansas City, the 28th biggest market in the U.S., and very proud of that. Now, with that, uh, we've got some really ahead of the curve stuff that goes on in a lot of different industries, and many people probably wouldn't think that One of the leaders in AI and AI startups is here in Kansas City. Now, before I let you know who that is and who I'm talking to today, a quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. That's my company, and we help people build software teams, which is really, really tough to do. We make it quick, easy, and affordable. Go to fullscale.io to learn more about what we do. Now, with me today, I've got Brian Weaver, and Brian's the CEO and founder of Torch AI, which is a Kansas City-based company that does a lot of really interesting stuff, network-centric AI, delivering augmented intelligence, technology solutions, and digital consulting services. I'm sure Brian will take a little time to unwrap and tell us what all that means. But let's just go ahead and say, Brian, welcome to Startup Hustle.
1: Puzzle. Hey, Matt, thank you very much. Great to be
0: here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I love talking about stuff, especially things that I only kind of get. So <laughs> uh, before we get too far into that, how about a little bit about the backstory about yourself and
1: uh, what y'all are doing over at Torch? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I think, uh, you know, I was always uh, start with, I, I was the, the son of an army brat. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid, every three years was in a different place and, and, uh, grew up, uh, having a lot of respect, uh, you know, for, for those that have served and, and, uh, you know, sort of part of that, that whole culture. So I ended up, uh, being dropped off in St. Louis where my father ran a, uh, a program, uh, for the, for the army, uh, played tennis in Northwest Missouri state, matriculated down in Kansas city, uh, and, you know, had a couple of jobs, got in trouble at work, quit that job, started my first company twenty years ago, and, and away it went, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I would say maybe I have a, a non traditional uh, path as an entrepreneur. I'd say that's probably a pretty fair statement.
0: Yeah, I, well, I think a lot of us do, and you know, sometimes you become an entrepreneur because you're unemployable.
1: <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> which, which,
0: you know, is, is one thing when you realize that. And it's another thing when you make that your goal. Yeah. So we've always, we've always made our true. goals to continue to be unemployable, which, which means that you're
1: forced to rely on yourself. Well, I tried to start a little company within my, my, I, w- I had two jobs before I started out on my own. And actually in the first job, I tried to start a company inside that company. And the second job, I ended up doing a deal for Kansas speedway and that company didn't like it. So it was, again, you know, sort of outside the box project. Uh, it was a very exciting and and fun moment in my life, but that was really the impetus to, to say, you know, screw this. I'm done being a, um, You know, it's time for me to go and, and see if I can prove myself and you know, hang a shingle and see what happens.
0: Well, I've got notes here that say that you bought your former employer. I'm not, I'm interested in learning how, how that occurs.
1: Yeah, the the it, it, it's uh it's a crazy story. So I um I shared with you that I had worked for Kansas Speedway, and I, it's kind of funny. There's a guy named Martin Minnie that used to work for the Kansas Area Development Council, and my relationship with that organization is, is long, and and I'm a huge fan of guys like Tim Cowden and what those guys do. Uh, but they approached uh, my former employer with a, a project at Kansas Speedway when Kansas Speedway was first you know getting going. And I didn't know it at the time, but everybody in town had turned it down. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Um, again, being entrepreneurial, right? Um, you see opportunity. So anyway, jumped into that. It was a, a great success. Uh, but my employer didn't like that. So I, I, my job was to manage people. And I ended up doing this side project. And I actually got reprimanded for, for that. And it, it was like this moment where you get punched in the gut, like this emotional thing. You're like, wait a minute. I'm proud of what I did. Um, I created value for you and for me and for them and and uh you don't see that. It was this kind of weird, disheartening thing. And so that gave me motivation to to quit uh and start my first company. Uh my first uh my first client was uh, KU, my second client was Kansas Speedway, my third client was Tivil Jewelry. Um and I had a lot of fun uh you know, working with those companies and and fast forward a couple of years and, and I'd had a lot of good success uh especially in motorsports and, and NASCAR in particular and uh the opportunity presented itself to acquire uh my former employer, and so literally sitting in the back seat of my brother's car down in Florida on a, on a family trip, um I bid on the business and and won and um you know had the opportunity to sort of buy that company and and actually even later. Uh, the gentleman that, that reprimanded me, bring him back in and, and uh, have him come work for me later. Uh, so it's kind of, a <laughs> yeah, it's, I a, love that. It's a I funny story I and, and he's a great man and great guy and, and no hard feelings at all at, at all. In fact, he's, I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans and a special person in my life. But, um, but yeah, my, uh, like I said, my, my start as an entrepreneur is maybe a non-traditional. Now, did you, it, according to my notes, that
0: company was called MedCore M-E-D-Q-O-R. Now, you leveraged that into
1: what eventually became Torch's software platform? So I probably started, I don't know, half a dozen companies in my 20s. Um, I, I'm a curious person by nature. I, I, I'm one of those people, and, and th- I say this with literally no ego, but uh, pioneering is sort of the word, right? I, I see problems very quickly, and I see opportunities uh, equally and that's been kind of one of the things that I've enjoyed, um, and that's led me into all kinds of interesting things. You know, uh, both positive, and negative. I've got I've got as many war wounds as, as uh, successes, for sure, maybe more. Um, Medcore was a company that I acquired in 2009. So this is this is way after um, I had sort of gotten started. Uh, there was a I was looking for a CFO, and I interviewed a guy named Mark, who happened to be the CFO of the Medcore company. And I was really interested in hiring him. And he said, well, yeah, but I, 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 gotta, I, I can't start with you for about six months. Uh, I'm selling my company. And so that's how that started. That conversation started. And four months later, I had acquired the largest and most sophisticated uh, data business in healthcare, focused on FDA-regulated medical devices, and that's MedCorp. And I still own that company.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, so did you always know that you were an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, I was the guy that I, I had... Uh, You know, I I mowed lawns with my friend. You know, I love working. I worked. I I I remember I got upset that I, when I was young, I couldn't get a job. Um, I still remember that moment of being upset because I was unemployable because I was too young. But I love to work and I like to be busy. Um, I don't like to sit still. And and um, you know, again, that's a blessing and a curse, I guess. But yeah, I I wouldn't say I was born to be a a business owner. You know, you learn that the hard way. And my joke, you've written a lot of books. I've not written any books, but if I write a book, it will be there was no brochure because when you start this stuff, you think of all these fantastic ideas you have and and how uh, how great it'll be to 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 go out and and kind of forge your own path. Um but you realize really really quickly that it's hard and uh, you know, it's it's painful sometimes and you learn tons and tons of lessons sometimes uh, you know uh, the hardest way possible. So anyway, it's uh I don't know that I set out to be an entrepreneur. Um, I think the the concept of startup hustle is great because there's a lot of people that want to be, um, you know, I think I always was a curious, uh, again, like I say, pioneering type person. And it, it almost happened to me. Um, you know, just out of nature, not out of self-selection maybe. So over the last year in
0: my spirits, I've always been fascinated. You use the term curious and pioneering, which are synonyms for innovative and discovery in some regards so i've i've been blessed to be around Really innovative people from everything. I worked in the music industry for ten years, and you know, one of my books is about the music industry. And you know, we were able to get guys like members of Dave Matthews Band to write our, our you know, the the,
1: the the forward and stuff like yeah, that. I'm not so, afraid to admit that I love some Dave
0: Matthews. Right, right, well, who doesn't? Yeah. And also, that's anybody just,
1: that's watched Forty Year Old Virgin would say would say no.
0: Well, and then, <laughs> I mean, that's just next level shit, man. Because like, like, okay, it. first off, you're filling up. Tw- I mean, it's hard to get like twenty people to show up. Twenty thousands, a little different, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know. But with that, uh, you know, I've been studying in my spare time the the traits of genius, yeah. and with that, I, I learned that there's a, a big defining line. So first off, there's a big difference between being talented and being a genius. So being talented is being able to hit the target that everyone can see. Uh, genius, the discussion for doing genius things, and here's the thing: is like we will think of like ten well-known quote geniuses but we all do genius stuff a lot and but it it begins but genius begins is the is the ability to hit the target that no one even knew existed and with that curiosity is like the key component because it's that weird it's that curiosity that you know and like I don't you'll find that people that do things well don't ever want to called a genius yes they just usually don't and anybody that's calling themselves one isn't yeah same thing with guru but but with that that curiosity and the enterprising nature that goes with it are two traits that lead to high levels of innovation and lead to people doing things and it's really because in the end i i'm i'm the same way you aren't afraid to take chances yeah
1: Well, I think, yeah, you too, if you, if you take care of your customers, like in whatever endeavor it is, you'll end up with some capital and the capital you can use to fuel your curiosity. Right. So I was very fortunate, uh, you know, before the show started, we talk about, you know, how the path sort of reveals itself and it really only isn't until you look backwards that you see how all those little dots connect. But, uh, but I've been very fortunate to have, capital to allow me to explore some of these things. And some of them were colossal failures. Oh, yeah. um, and some of them have been huge successes and, and you string that together, but it's almost cause I'm, I'm, I'm running so fast, uh, falling forward. It's, uh, it, it, it uh, it's just one of those things. I think when you're built like that, you know, and you, cr- you can, Again, capitalize on some of that. Not be risk averse, and then what you learn over time is to create an environment for the geniuses that that I've been able to attract around me. I, I mean, a lot of my success. I, um, you know, I'm certainly um, a, a curious person and very driven and ambitious, but um, I've been very, very fortunate to be able to attract an amazing team of truly genius people uh, from Kansas City.
0: Um, Which, by the way, is another trait that people that are involved in genius endeavors have is the ability to persuade, and get other people like I'd need to hire people that are way smarter than me. Absolutely. Because yeah. I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not that guy. I'm not that scientist. I don't, you know, you give me rocket science. I built a rocket once when I was a kid and it shot up the moment it came off the pad, it turned <laughs> directly towards me and almost took my hat off. And I realized that I would pursue other things that didn't yeah, burn involve down the that neighborhood. Yeah, now, yeah. now, with that, I, you know, I, the reason I brought this up is because, you know, AI, is such a, um, you know, there's so much territory and everything with it that is, I mean, still remains unexplored. Mm -hmm. I mean, so what made you want to get into the whole AI scene? And, and, you know, like, cause if you were doing it years ago, you were very much, and and, and the, and the, and the, the, the people that are in, uh, that get to start the marathon at the front, uh, you know, like, It also means you got to break, you got to, you're breaking the wind for everyone else. You're like doing a lot of different stuff. You're making fails here and there, and you got to have a lot of resilience to get through that, I imagine.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, what we're doing today is, is difficult because it is, it's new. It's this, we're doing something that no one's ever done before. And, and that is, um, you know, it's not, you know, when you, when you get into a business like this, you're not building a business around creating incremental change in a marketplace. You know, you're saying, no, 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 I'm going to go obliterate a market. Uh, and here's my thesis, right? So I, I think this goes back to my very first company. Um, I had actually hired actuaries from Sprint to build models around sports fans, uh, NASCAR fans, right? And so they would they would help me predict, and we didn't call them algorithms at the time. You'd call them personas and some of this other stuff, marketing speak, and that was still in the direct mail world. We're not going to either of us reveal our age, I guess, today, but um, I'm old enough to say that my first job, I didn't have a computer, right? So, th- so that's that's the era. But I used actuaries from Sprint to build these models around propensities to buy and spend and renew season tickets and all that kind of stuff. And so, I've always had a curiosity around mathematics and and data and information, right? It goes for every single business I've ever uh, been involved in; it has information at its core and mathematics at its core. Um, not subjects that I really, you know, felt any sort of warm embrace uh, with in school or, or even coming up, it's just something that you realize you've got a bit of a, a talent for some of that. So honestly, the punchline here is that we got into this space because of the, basically a massive failure with Microsoft. So I had, I had accomplished this Herculean feat of signing a multi million dollar contract with Microsoft on, on an analytics software pa- package that we'd built um and though we made money it was very difficult to be to it wasn't very profitable because we were um the 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 data was messy and so it created this engineering nightmare i mean you know with full scale what you guys are doing dealing with you deal with information i mean that's that's what that's what you're you're you know you're helping clients uh solve problems information problems right well uh the first sort of go at this uh with torch um was, was building an analytic platform for Microsoft and we went literally quarter to quarter and it was a slog. And at some point I just recognized that this, this isn't going to work as a business. It's the economic model. The flywheel's broken. There's massive demand from the client. Um, but we could never get ahead of the information. And so I started running around talking to people saying, you know, how do you guys solve these problems? And they all look at you. And the, the reality is they don't solve them. Um, and so it was then that I started looking for, um, some, some new resources. Um, and I met a guy named John Kramer and, uh, brought John on and to build, uh, this new idea for a new software package that, uh, we call Nexus today, but basically it was born out of the failure of Microsoft. And that failure, um, was the data was too hard to use. It was too complex. It was coming at you too fast. And it was too hard to get the information that you needed out of that data. And so we decided to, to, think of a way to process data differently. Um, and we had to do it at machine speed. So the best thing you can do is use you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning and apply it to that problem of data processing. Uh, so that's the fo- that's the area we focus on. And uh, again, we're, we're definitely pioneers in the space. Um, and we've landed a lot of huge contracts, but the government discovered the, the platform in 2018. We want to very large contract for the Department of Defense, uh, overhauling a big system for them using this technology. And, and it's just been going gangbusters ever since. You
0: know, I've had quite a few conversations with different founders, you know, regardless of where they're from, that are in the AI and machine learning space. And, you know, much like you mentioned, the you know, the data is there and you can process it, you can analyze it, you can look at it. And it seems to me that the the real problem that they need to solve is how to kind of like you mentioned working at machine speed. It's how do we do, how do we get it in into hands or whatever processes that give us an actionable anything? Yeah. You know, like, it's like, it's, it's one thing to look back you look at, uh, you know, maybe data from like a cell phone carrier and like these things occur and that means someone's going to end their subscription. Right. Yeah. But how do yeah. you get that in how do front of, how do
1: you get that in front of the right people to prevent yeah, it? But they can't even get to it in real time. And that's the, yeah. that's the, th- people don't realize. Um, and you get into like things like the metaverse, the concept of the metaverse. And it's actually a, an approach of how do I create kind of a a Disneyland for information where it's all structured, all, but it's not all, it's not everything. Right. So there's a limitation to that potential.
0: Well, let, let's stop for a second. Cause when we're talking about structured data, And when it comes to machine learning and data analytics, you have structured and unstructured data. Now, unless you, your data isn't structured until it's like basically formatted or collated per se, like imagine your spreadsheet and it has all these columns and now it falls in there. Now, data inherently is unstructured until you structure it. So you know that's and that's the first key because you yeah. can't really look at anything patternistic or, or or whatever if it's just like
1: in a zillion different places yeah in the in the, in the average enterprise i mean for, first uh, and not to totally geek out on this stuff but i live this every day and so i have got we a, can geek a, out. i got a bottomless yeah. bucket of, yeah. of nerd stuff so <laughs> so basically there's 2.4 iot devices per human on the planet right iot your phone phone thing digital thing it's 2.4, 2.4 per 2.4 per, per person on wow, the planet so 20 billion so wow you okay. you then think all right so there's this deluge of data the volume of information is just ridiculous right and it's increasingly complex and so Again, in the enterprise, uh, they're only able to store and utilize 2% of the data they have. So think about that. They're throwing away 98% because the system's broken. And then I shift over into your structured data comment. 90% of enterprise data is unstructured, meaning it's basically hard to use. It's not tabular. It's It's hard for me to use it. It requires people and tools and expensive cloud computing and storage in order to even process it. So you end up in this death spiral of messing with the information. I had a client meeting early this morning and uh, a lo- big, very, very large local uh, company and, and uh, the folks there were um, sort of lamenting the fact that they can't, they've got a major problem. They're actually losing business because they can't process documents fast enough. Um, and it's insane. Uh, and it's, it's, we see it everywhere and it's because the current mode is flawed. So you go back to structured and unstructured data, structured data, um, is maybe a little bit easier to use, but the problem is you're blending structured data with unstructured difficult to use data in, in some kind of work stream. So that means that some poor soul is labeling things, you know, um, somebody's opening up a document, reading it. I mean, in PDFs, by the way, PDFs and email are the, are the two largest sources of unstructured data in an enterprise. And it's almost, uh, insane to think about, uh, no one's focused on that. And that that's our focus as a business. We're laser focused on, on, uh, on solving that problem. I would imagine that
0: some of the large corporations as well have different systems, different things that yeah. then create, like, it's not all inherently the same data coming in, And like, I mean, it really is. It's just like, just from a basic programming or building software standpoint, like, I mean, it really is is, uh, as simple as thinking of it as like an Excel spreadsheet in some regards, but then how do you populate it? And and really, and and honestly, the data is, is way, 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 way
1: less valuable as a business. If you can't
0: do something with it, that affects change. Yeah.
1: What people don't realize is it's like building a building, right? And you're building the foundation of the entire building on top of some sort of information. And so you're structuring that information uh, and it is just like the foundation. And imagine that the, da- the, the foundation's constantly moving. It, you, you would never build a building on top of a foundation that was constantly moving. Yet, uh, what's happening in, in, uh, in IT today is that, is that people are creating these massive data engineering and data workflows um, and they're, ba- they're built on top of something that's dynamic. And so the minute it changes, they have to re-engineer that whole thing. And again, that's why I call it the death spiral. Um, and there's just, you know, I think in the in the field of research and researching AI and ML, um, there's a lot of attention paid to uh, kind of that surface analytics, computer vision, identifying things uh, in information. Um, but, but you know, we are, are really breaking really ground and, and we're proud to do it actually in Leewood, Kansas, every line of code was written, you know, on Kansas ground. Uh, but, but we're focused on uh, doing research and, and applying uh, these machine learning techniques to, to the, making the data easier to use, you know, before, and it it, sh- it it will and does make all that stuff that flows downstream easier. You imagine all the work that you guys are involved in um, where you've got a client with a, a workflow issue, uh, and the minute they want to add a data source to it, you got to re engineer the whole platform. And guess what? That happens all the time.
0: Well, I talk about that a lot now before we move on. Once again, with me today, I've got Brian Weaver. Brian's the CEO and founder of Torch AI, one of Startup Hustle's top Kansas City startups. We probably should have mentioned that about. 19 minutes ago. <laughs> or maybe we jumped, 20 minutes we jumped ago. in the deep end. Man. Yeah, well, that's usually the way it goes. You get down the rabbit hole and it's uh, it's it will suck you down while you're also trying to crawl in and out of it. Now, <laughs> uh, I probably, so I, so I don't get in trouble with the people I work for here at Startup Hustle, remind you that today's episode, Startup Hustle, is brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. You know, let's talk about that for a second because I would imagine that, you know, so you look at AI and machine learning, and I think that there's a strong desire for people. I'm sure you're at no shortage of people that want to be involved, but then you don't, you have to create your own experts in, in things this young. Like people reach out a lot at full, to full scale and they'll say, I'm looking for an AI developer, a machine learning developer. I mean, I have three out of 225 people that I would, that I feel comfortable saying are machine learning, like they program in R, they have worked in like, you know, re, they're doing real stuff. That's like real machine learning, as opposed to what, yeah. honestly, what 90% of people are calling machine yeah, learning AI is, is, is more like a, a ranking database. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you know, as the founder of Gigabook, a scheduling platform, we do begin to, after you use it for a while, begin to sort your options by which is the most popular. It's not machine learning. It is just literally like, yeah, it's a a simple ranking thing based on how, yeah, that's, but that's been a buzzword. And we even came yeah. back from TechCrunch in 2019 joking. Like everything we said was, had a joke about my machine learning algorithm will determine the best dressing to put on my salad at lunch today, guys. So let me, let me, let me get that info back. But, you know, there's a, a lot to be said. So I, I'm curious about your, what's your approach to creating expertise? And, and also, like, what do you look for in someone? Because that, that's a significant investment in a person. So what are, you know, we talked about the qualities of or traits mm-hmm. of
1: genius briefly. Like, what are you looking for with people and what's worked and what hasn't, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I enjoy uh, as a leader and a manager is is building teams. And so I think the first thing is to understand what does that team really need to do uh, on if it's a team required to sort of solve a problem that hadn't been solved before and innovation is part of it. You've got to really think about the complexion of that. Um and we actually, uh, when we interview, it's a pretty rigorous process because what we're looking for is the right mix of people, the ingredients in the team. And so we put a lot of, um, of effort and focus around identifying people that are uh, a very evidence and data driven or people that are very structured and sequential versus people like myself that are more of that you know, kind of pioneering, you know, kind of entrepreneurial fast mover uh, to people that actually like to be... Um, Uh, involved in implementing the technology, right? And so you think about those four dimensions, and then you add this sort of fifth dimension, which would be um, emotional maturity. So when you're looking at the person, for us, you know, they don't, the universities, unfortunately, uh, writ large, not just uh, in our region, but they're not preparing uh, people for cyber jobs or computer science jobs, uh, most of, of our, my business
0: has grown so yeah, exactly. Quickly. I mean, I mean 350,000 open tech jobs in the U S and it's, it's a it's, massive problem. They're unfillable
1: because we don't have enough
0: people to do them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, the universities aren't preparing them appropriately. And most of our people, they end up teaching themselves. So when we think of, so, uh, I, I say often that torch is not for everyone. You know, we do uh very hard things. Um, We take the national security mission very seriously uh, and we need to have people that are not afraid to solve problems in maybe ways that haven't been thought of before. And so when you think of that, you really do need to break break it down and you need to have not just one type of person, but you've got to have a a kind of a cocktail of people um, that can contribute to the project. Because like me, if I run, you know, just completely unadulterated, I'll cause all kinds of chaos and havoc, right? I need to have people with me. And I recognize this because I'm self-aware, but I need to have people that are more structured, more detail-oriented, uh, can run kind of the operation day-to-day. Uh, and and when I get dragged down in that, I'm not at my best. And there's people that that's their genius, right? So uh, we have recognized very early on at Torch that uh, you know, making sure that we've got the right, right ingredients at the team level was like a critical thing. But at the end of the day, dude, uh, what I want is somebody that uh, has gumption. That's like the one word and we use it at the company. Um, but it's fire in your belly. Um, you know, passion. Yeah. And, and that can manifest itself in all kinds of ways, right? Because a lot of, especially, uh, software developers, um, and technologists, uh, are introverted and, um, you don't have to tell me that, man. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I,
0: spend, I spend a fair portion of most days trying to to unintrovert. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so it yeah. so recognizing. I, that, I'll get clients that that's that'll the talk, they'll talk to a team member and they'll be like, yeah. "Well, she didn't have much to say." I'm yeah, Like yeah. Well, most alone. developers don't. Yeah, like, yeah. do you want her to write code and yeah, solve that? Exactly. Then solve tech, tech you know technology problems or do. you... Looking for a spokesperson, because I'm well, so, right here if you want
1: that. So this is the thing I think for us, <laughs> and I'd be interested to hear how how you guys do it here too, but I think my job as the CEO is to create an environment for those people to thrive. Yeah, right. I agree. How, how do, you do
0: you do that? Well, there's a couple different ways. I, well, I, first off, going back to just entrepreneurs in general. So we've we talked about a lot of different things uh, here in this episode, and this has been really interesting because... I really do. I I would like to actually talk to you off mic at some point about my my journey into what helps and makes people do genius things, because honestly, I'm trying to figure out how I can turn it on because sometimes I get it. And then sometimes I don't. And then I I mentioned, like, I started my my uh, journey into this talking to rock stars, because at 947 on any given Wednesday night, that man or woman has got to do some pretty amazing stuff usually in front of 20,000 people that are expecting them not to fail. Yeah. So, you know, kind of getting into that. But the thing I've realized is that passion is a, that without it, um, you don't do genius things. And you don't do and you're and honestly, if it's absent in an entrepreneur, their enterprise is likely to fail because they're not Passion gets you through the days that suck. The days where you fail, the days, the coin, so I, I, in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, I talk about the coin toss moment, because every, Mm -hmm. you've had them, everyone Mm -hmm. has one at their business Mm -hmm. where things haven't gone well, and you're like, maybe I'll just flip a coin, heads, I'll do this, tails, I won't. Funny. Every entrepreneur's had it, whether you want to admit it or not, you know you've had it in your head, in the office or whatever. Now, realistically, I flip that coin and it's a two-headed quarter. (laughs) But at the same time, it's the passion that gets you through it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for us uh, at Full Scale, it's so much about, um, so our team becomes our client's team. But what we realize is that when we put people that are passionate about solving the problems that your business needs or has, they perform like insanely compared yeah. to someone that's just there to do the job. Yeah. So, and with that, like I'm talking people where you're like, "Hey man, you can't work 70 hours a week." Are they asking you to No, I'm just really into what I'm doing." I'm like, yeah. "Okay, so you got okay, rest a little bit." Yeah. Now, now with that, we don't throttle that because because sure. we know ourselves that well, if I, am the same way, like I don't, I don't set it down until I get it right. A lot of times, yeah. which leads to small bouts with insanity yeah. on some days or yeah. sleeplessness yeah. or whatever the problem all all is, is, until I get it done or I get it out of my head, the, the problem is, is I don't, I'm not able to be present in other parts of my life because I, I might be there, but I'm thinking about something else. Sure. And, you know, I'm talking to these guys, like one guy, my friend, Jake, who is literally known as a world-class guitarist. And he'll, he talks about wanting to complete the work of the greats. Mm. So he's looking mm. at like Jimi Hendrix and trying to find the notes that he didn't find and the things mm. that he didn't do. and it, And he gets so obsessive with it. So is there a difference between drive and obsession? It depends who you ask. If you ask my wife, I'm yeah. obsessed. If you ask me, I'm driven. So they're kind of the same thing. So with that, the mix of Putting the so you gotta put if you put people in and around what they're passionate about, what they're interested in, what they want to do, uh, the 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 results are are secondary almost. Because yeah. they're just gonna come. It's kind of like uh, people have asked me a lot, and I'm sure you've received the same question from someone in life, how do I make more money? You quit focusing on money. You gotta get good at something, and money's like a byproduct of that. Like I don't think about. Hey man, I need to make more money. I think about I need to solve a problem. I need to create value. I need to provide a service that is that helps people sleep at night because that if I can if I can sell you peace of mind, the price tag on that can be about whatever it needs to be. So you you start to make people's lives easier or more efficient, help them sell more, spend less, and when you do that, like I mean, the culture becomes pretty easy because you've got people that are happy. They have pep in their step and they want to get up and do it.
1: I think, you know, culture is what it's, it's in a book or quote or something like that, but it's basically culture is what you'll put up with. Sure. (laughs) It's not the candy. But but if you're doing
0: something you're uh, passionate about and that you want to do, you're going to put up with the, I mean, all of it as an entrepreneur, an employee or whatever. You you can't have like a shitty combative, like hateful workplace. And that ain't going to over passion and going to overpower that.
1: But, well, that's uh, that goes back to the my fifth little criteria, and I, you know, I have, uh, I, I, I admit it. I admit that um, I have my moments of of uh, immaturity, right? And that's when you um, get emotional about an outcome, right? And so everybody's got it. The difference at our you, company are you is, passionate or are you angry? No, 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 oh, <laughs> no. no, no. It's not, I, and I, I, I draw the line at, at you know ne- never insulting and never sure. creating any of that. But but I do get I do get. Um, you know, fired up about things. And, and I think, uh, it, it's because we've got something, you know, special, right. And so you believe in that. And, and I think again, in a, in a culture and especially in an engineering organization where like for us, uh, we put engineers first, you know, and, and it's a really critical thing without engineers, we'd have nothing. Um, and, and they're the people that, that, you know, toil every day to, to solve these major problems. Right. And the rest of us you know, are really benefiting from their genius, but um, I think creating an environment where you can be sort of vulnerable and transparent and I can have, I can have, I, it's not how I used to be 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, today, um, I tell the team, I go, Hey, I, I'm having a weak moment today and I'm, I'm you know, losing myself a little bit in in this moment because I care about this. Um, and, uh, and ask for them to coach a little too and, and make sure that they know that it's a safe environment to be able to do that. They can do it. I can do it. And, and it's not about them. It's more about, uh the job you're trying to do but i think in in our business uh where the risk of failure is 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 significant right the consequences like and especially with some of our uh defense work and and other work that we do the consequences of failure are are grave and so there's no room for um you know failure period so when you take that and 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 again every one of our people lives it right too and they they operate with purpose and um and they definitely have have, uh, taken up the torch as we say uh but when you have an environment like that it's high pressure you know and that's why i say it's like it's not for everybody um but for the people that we have they they love it and i think it's a special moment in all of our lives it's kind of a that's how i see it anyway we use the term critical thinking um Mm -hmm.
0: a lot to you know harbor an environment where critical thinking is encouraged and that's Simply, you know, being able to feel like you can say, "Hey, there's a problem here," and these are some solutions, or maybe, uh, you know, it's super cliché to be like, "Hey, if you bring a problem, you got to mention a solution." Well, sometimes you have to say, "Hey, there could be a problem here, and we need to figure out a solution." Yeah, and and honestly, that's one of the things. So when we built Full Scale, our goal was to fix the problems that North American software and tech companies had Mm -hmm. with offshoring, which uh, critical thinking was a huge one because a lot of people I talk to have this horror story about, you know, they've got an offshore team and they give them a blueprint. And these people with their expertise, there's no way they weren't building it without knowing there was a broken part of it. But right. they just said, hey, they asked me to build it. So I'm going to do that. That's an absence of critical thinking. But that exists because either culturally or psychologically or whatever, they're afraid to speak up because they have some fear. And, you know, some cultures are not as sophisticated when it comes to like, you know, where we might be in the U.S. about bringing this stuff up, you know, like they're just simply have some issues. You look at things like the caste system or or things, and it's just not considered wise to to tell your boss no. So, you you know, with that is uh, we immediately start deprogramming that. And then Mm -hmm. another thing we, you know, we mentioned earlier that the personality type of a lot of software developers is already introverted. So, the speaking up thing is already difficult. So, if you create any obstacles to that, so like we start right away, we say, Hey, look, first off, we only hire one in 40 applicants. So, we congratulate them on making it through that gauntlet. Sure. And that means you're an expert. And so, you know, the people we work with want and value your expertise. So, please know that in any and all situations, they want you to speak up. So, we like that's, and that's literally within your first five minutes of starting at the And I think that that's the kind of, now on the flip side, that can be difficult because much like yourself, I am passionate about certain things, which sometimes can be the anti-critical thinking component because people don't necessarily want to trigger it.
1: Now I can't, I'm not, I don't dial my passion down. Maybe my father, he was an army Intel guy and flew spy planes and all this cool stuff. And I remember when I got my first management job, I was whatever, 23 years old. And he said, uh, "Hey, let me tell you a lesson: cultivate a dark side, yeah, <laughs> and know when to let it out, yeah. So they, um, so, right. they so they know it's there, yeah. but they don't ever want to see it again. And yeah. it was a it was a funny thing, and certainly it was a, a, a you know something maybe that's a, a little more acceptable in the military. But um, I, I have uh, come to appreciate the words of wisdom.
0: You know? Well, and and Somebody's now gotta now that exists, but I yeah. I think that." if you get the right people around you that don't necessarily have that ability or yeah. skill, they appreciate knowing that it's on their side in many regards. Like That's my, true Brian, too. My, my wife yeah. just constantly gets after me for speaking up because she's not yeah. an outspoken person. And sometimes I'll just, you know, like she'll get shitty with me about it and I'll say, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, or occasionally when she's getting mad at me, I'll be like, yeah. well, you know, I yeah. know you, I know you want to be able to do that. So I'm, I'm doing that, but it's hard. Cause you know, like I said, some people, it's just not an inherent quality. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think when you're a founder, uh, a lot of the people that join the company, uh, join because, uh, of the founder's ambition, uh, and, and their plan for the business, right. The potential of the future. It's aspirational when you're in a business like this, right. It's not, people don't join for what it is today. It's not sprint or, or sorry, team. Um, it's not a mature business. And so when people join, they want to contribute to the future, right? They, they live in the future. And so I I think uh, having passion around what you're trying to do is a, a absolutely critical uh, component of it. But again, I think um, you've got to create a bit of a decentralized organization where their voice uh, has got weight, because if you're really moving fast and you value your people, and you're creating a great culture um, that takes care of those people and prioritizes prioritizes their needs, the command and control model of, you know, what the boss says, this is why the mistakes happen in these architecture things that you mentioned, you know, it it really, ideally, you're creating a, a really healthy, safe, positive work environment that gives them a reason. And that comes from avoiding the command and control structure and leaning more towards this decentralized structure where they, at the lowest levels of an engineering team, they're surfacing these solutions, right? It's not just always top down, you know, Hey, in this sprint, do this. Um, you know, we're, we're always constantly trying to figure out how to, um, and and again, encourage that, that kind of, uh, thinking and behavior team. I think that's an app. If you're building an engineering team, um, there's multiple ways you can do it. And certainly lots and lots of training and schools of thought around how to, how to run project management. But core fundamental thing is, um, is, is almost treat everybody as an equal when it comes to critical thinking.
0: That's That's the biggest challenge we have at full scale is because essentially we have our own culture, but then we have to insert our Mm -hmm. team into currently, you know, almost 50 different cultures. And and how they do it. And by the way, if you run a service business, you need to make sure you adapt to what your clients do, not make them adapt to what you do. I'll tell you, if you don't, you aren't going to have a lot of clients. So no one wants to feel like they have to make crazy structural and any kind of changes to their business to do business with someone else. That's not a good model. So, you know, part of that, but, but with that, you talk about cultivating that dark side. I have literally fired several clients for not treating our people well uh, in and past the warning, the couple warning shots where I've tried to correct it. And then they're just like, you know, and that's the thing is like, our, our, my company's biggest asset is our people. Absolutely, Without the people I, we, I don't win awards from Forbes. I don't have one of the fastest growing companies in my hometown. I don't have any of it. I'm just a guy looking for something to do
1: without my team. (laughs) So
0: I go to bat for them and like, and by the way, and that's no, and that yeah. is appreciated, especially in a, a place like the Philippines, where quite honestly, a lot of our, you know, our average developer has eight years of experience. So we yeah. are not their first job yeah. and they've worked in, they're more concerned about not wanting to come into a place with 12 years of experience where they're going to end up building WordPress landing pages right. all day. Right. So, you know, that's kind of our commitment to our employees is like, hey, you're going to be challenged. And we literally say during the interview process, if you're not up for that, just don't just stop yeah, yeah. moving forward in the process. Cause you're not going to. be yeah. Now with that, good for you. We wanna, well, we want to try to hang on to those folks because sure. I, every time they quit, I got to interview 40 more people. Yeah, I mean, that's
1: your, <laughs> that's your model, right? Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So that's, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because I get a lot of people that will ask, I say, I, I turned down so much business because it's not the right fit. Yeah. It's like, you know, and so sometimes I think you gotta, you know, be able to, to know that and, deal with that. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: learn mm. learn those lessons myself. Once.
0: once again with me today, I've got Brian Weaver, Brian's the CEO and founder of Torch AI, which was one of our top Startups for 2022 here in my hometown of Kansas City. Now, if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I end my episodes with what I call the Founders Freestyle, which we're going to get to here in just a second after I remind you that today's episode, Startup Hustle, was and is brought to you by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. I say my shows because I'm not the only host of Startup Hustle. Make sure you tune in weekly with Andrew Morgans, the CEO and founder of Marknology, who who Primarily talks all about e-commerce and Amazon brand acceleration. Don't miss the weekly episode with Innovate Her founder, Lauren Conaway. They just got their 5,000th member. Congratulations, Lauren. And, uh, you know, she's on every week and often hosts the, the top startups episodes with me. So make sure you tune in for those. Now, as mentioned, uh, the founder's freestyle. And it's about, now, Brian, I've had people, I've had people rap site poetry oh, do whatever but i like to actually the term freestyle is mainly to turn over the mic and you know these you know here we are 44 minutes later and there's a lot that is said and forgotten to be said and passed over quickly and you can really say whatever you want or and maybe there are some key points that you know you might want to
1: we bring back around and i mean what would you like to say sir yeah no thanks for that i think uh Maybe my own I'm not pushing a book and i'm not you know I think sharing a little bit of our story I think is always fun and um I think what i I always enjoy uh people that might be uh thinking about starting a business or you know, pushing forward in a in a maybe dark time where they're running out of money and but they still have that passion all these things I've lived through uh painfully someday. um if if any of this gives anybody motivation, the reality is you can. You know, in the United States, it's a pretty amazing place that you can have an idea with some gumption and, and make it whatever you want it to be, um, and that people will come around you and help support you and in sort of these times of need. I think you've got to be a good student of your craft. You've got to be a good student of the market that you're trying to, to help. Um, but I think for me now, and we have represented some success here in Kansas City, the fact that we attracted some significant, some sophisticated West Coast capital uh, in a market like Kansas city, which we're very, very proud of the fact that, uh, built software that's, uh, trusted at the highest levels, information security and, and sensitivity. Um, and we need to band together. This, this is how you and I kind of got together, right? I think we need to, as a group, try and help create a great environment for entrepreneurs and risk takers in Kansas city. Um, maybe my, my, so my little soapbox, my, my little, uh, My free couple minutes here with you at the end, you know. I think there's sort of this call to arms. Look at what's happening in Kansas City. The lack of investment capital is telling. Um, When I was first building Torch, I remember uh, I would be talking about AI and machine learning, but the way we did it, right? Combinatorial machine learning analysis of data in flight, and they're like, "What the hell is that?" And what do they do instead of instead of being curious like they are in San Francisco? In San Francisco, when I would go out and and, uh, talk to investors. They lean forward. If they didn't understand, they go, "All right, well, what do you mean? Tell me, tell me what that means. How do you do that? How do you do this?" In Kansas City, there's this attitude like, if what I don't know, I will demean. You know, it's a, there's a fear of of what they don't know, and that uh, culture here isn't very inviting or supportive of entrepreneurs. Now, for me, I benefited though, right? Because the lack of capital and and some of that it hardened the business, so we became fastest growing, most profitable AI company in the United States. Period. Largest, you know, Series A, uh, all that. It all happened because it was hard here, uh, not because it was easy. You we know, didn't take capital until massively profitable. So when you think of that, that's a gift Kansas City gave me. But we, as a as a group of entrepreneurs and 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 guys that have been doing this for a, a while, guys, and, and um, you know, we need to kind of come together and support each other. So maybe. Uh, my offer is reach out to me on LinkedIn and I, I just want to help. Um, I can share some wisdom. Uh, advice isn't worth uh, you know, worth much, but uh, war stories can maybe help educate and help avoid some disaster. Um, but I think we do We need to band together and help each other in Kansas city. We've got a huge opportunity. We've got amazing talent in this market. Uh, and hopefully torches is just an example of what's possible.
0: If, if for my free sell, it, well, first off, we didn't mention you did raise $30 million in capital, which in some markets is kind of like, uh, I mean, don't take the strong it's kind of like another cap raise. You know, you mentioned in like San Francisco, like now here, that's headline.
1: You know? Well, for a Series A, the average Series A in 2021 was $8 million. And so that's, that's yeah. you know, nationwide. And so I think for a Series A, for any data company, it was, yeah. it was the largest But certainly in the history of Kansas City, my understanding, I was told uh, that it's the largest Series A in the history of Kansas City.
0: Yeah. And it's it's uh, it's well, it's there. And there's and that's like that in a lot of markets. And, you know, so well, congratulations with that and kind of filling in a blank with that. I I think a couple other things that really stood out is uh, with our conversation today is I I really want to just continue to push, be curious about your own curiosity. And you got to try things. Uh, You said a couple of things that um, kind of reminded me of my own approach with stuff like, Hey, like people sometimes be like, Hey, what's one of your biggest failures? I mean, like, I don't know if I have like a huge one, but I got a daisy chain of a lot of like yeah. small to mid-sized ones that like hold yeah. my beer and like, yeah. let's, you know, and he, like, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you a whole bunch of them because my approach yeah. to entrepreneurship, uh, like I'm pretty open about defining, I try 10 things, hoping one works. I'm looking for a crack somewhere. And when I find it, I try to shove an elephant through it, you know, and, and it's a very unscientific, but feels scientific in its approach on some days, but you try a lot of stuff and, you know, like what's your marketing strategy, test, 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 you know, see what works and what didn't. And we were talking about that before we hit record about how some simple and subtle changes in the way we promoted the show, literally doubled the download count in three months. And you're like, Whoa. Okay. So, and, and, you know, it's, you get, so with that, I I just really want to encourage people to not settle in to where you're at because settling in is actually kind of, I mean, in some ways you're defining and, and describing a rut. Like you settle into a rut or fall into one. Like a
1: joke when you buy a minivan, it's a sign that you've given up on life. Maybe and so. It's the same thing with entrepreneurs. Is that why I haven't bought one yet? Yeah, I keep yeah, refusing. Yeah. Have you given up on life? No, I think that's exactly right. I think, uh, you know, it, it, there's nobody, nobody that's successful that hasn't had hardship. Yeah. Sometimes it's painful and they don't talk about it, but the reality is it's, it's, uh, it's tough you know, to, to do something hard. Um, and starting a business in, of any type is hard. They, they, like I right. said, my book. There's no brochure.
0: Got yeah. tell you all. I, I, I want to write. When you said that, thanks for bringing that up. Actually, because that kind of, I, I want to maybe I'll write one and we'll sell it as a a two a two part package. Because <laughs> yeah. I want to write one just called No Owner's Manual. Yeah. Because that describes startups. Like, yeah. not there's no brochure. There's yeah. no owner's manual, and that's what makes them hard. Because like literally from day one you don't have it there's not an 800 number that you get to call for your startup it's like um can I get some help with this yeah, no in fact you cannot line. actually that's what we'll do we'll start an 800 number that just gives you the tough no, the tough no, reality
1: no because I I would take up all the time and nobody wants to hear me complain just
0: be like 1 yeah. 800 startups is that even <laughs> enough numbers I don't know and it's like it'll just be like hey man quit whining and get back to work you know that's maybe that'll that'll be it and you know I mean really in the end and then I think the last thing I wanted to bring up is, you know, I appreciate the fact that you're saying, hey, reach out, contact me. Um, Knowledge isn't something that is meant to be hung on to. In fact, it's toxic if you don't let it pass through you and give it to others. Um, What's easier, climbing the mountain yourself or asking those on top to pull you up? And with that, every entrepreneur I know, and, you know, you and I are a similar age and there's people that have helped you along the way. And I feel like I need to help others along the way. I do it all the time. Like reach out to me. You can email me DECO at fullscale.io. Like I'm super accessible and love the conversation because you got to, well, you got to pass that torch.
1: Yeah, That might
0: might just be the right place. It works everywhere. So with that, we'll pass the torch along to another date. See you, Brian.